1: Welcome to The Table. We discuss issues of God and culture. I'm Mikel Del Rosario. I'm the Cultural Engagement Manager here at the Hendrick Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. And I'm also an adjunct professor teaching in the Media Arts Department now, teaching a course on digital production for ministry. And I mentioned that today because our topic on the show is... Exactly that, it's growing your ministry with online video, and I have a very special guest in studio today who is actually in our class uh, sharing with our students, and he is Alan Parr in studio today. Uh, Alan is a Bible teacher, he's an entrepreneur, and he's the founder of The Beat, which is an amazing YouTube channel that you guys should definitely check out. He's also a fellow THM grad here from DTS. So good to have you in the studio, welcome.
2: Mikel, it's an honor to be here, super excited. Anytime I get a chance to come back on campus, I always make a joke and say I feel like I'm walking on holy ground every time I come back, (laughs) and I cherish these moments. So uh, DTS has just played a huge part in my life and my ministry, and super glad to be here.
1: Well, we're so glad to have you here in the studio um, talking with us about growing a ministry with online video, because that is something that you have some expertise in, and I think a lot of people listening to this will either already be using online video to some extent. I mean, live streaming your church was almost required, (laughs) you know, after the pandemic. It's kind of no longer optional to think about doing online video um, in ministry today. But uh, tell us a little bit about your time just in seminary. What drew you to seminary, and and how did that kind of prepare you for what you're doing right now?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I had kind of an unconventional journey to seminary. Uh, I Graduated in 1998 with a Master of um, Electrical Engineering, so I was going down the path of being an engineer. And I graduated and uh, from Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio, mm. and went off to be an engineer at Ford Motor Company in Detroit, Michigan for a couple of years. Mm. And while I was there, I had the opportunity to teach a Bible study. I also had opportunity to preach my first sermon, and it was at that point where I just felt some strong sense of calling that this was mm-hmm. what I was supposed to do. I'm supposed to teach the Bible. And I'd never felt anything remotely close to that before in my life. And so I had a decision to make. Was I going to just keep chasing the money because the money was good, but I was in a career that I wasn't fulfilled in, I didn't really enjoy it, didn't have a lot of passion for it? Or was I going to follow this strange calling that I was feeling in my, in my spirit about being a Bible teacher? And it was at that point where I really did have to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you, even though I knew I was going to probably return to being a broke college student all over again, mm-hmm. and and I felt like, man, God, I just got done with, you know, college and being broke, and I finally have some money, and and God, you know, I just felt like, he was pressing upon my heart that I needed to prepare myself theologically, mm-hmm. and so I had a couple of decisions: was I going to go to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Chicago or Dallas Seminary, and um, I really, honestly, chose Dallas. For a couple of reasons, all the people I was listening to at that time, they were um, always mentioned this place called Dallas Seminary. Whether hmm. it's Tony Evans or David Jeremiah or Chuck Swindoll, all these people. So I said, "What's this place called? What's this? I need to find out about this place." So, um, so I've ended up enrolling here in 2000. Gave up my career as an engineer, and uh, it was really one of the best decisions I could have ever made.
1: Wow! And so, tell us about your journey to. YouTube and being a creator on YouTube because I'm not entirely sure that's on the radar for most people who walk into Dallas Seminary.
2: Well, it's funny because yesterday I actually just made a post on Facebook and I was like, you know what? I thought that I was going to be married at 25 and pastoring a church full time. Mm -hmm. Instead, I got married when I was 40, and now I create YouTube videos, and everybody (laughs) got a kick out of it. That that and then I said something like, um, you know. You know we we have our plans, but God's plans are always better. you know? Oh, yeah. and and I did. When I came out of seminary, I had the traditional thought that most people do, which is, I'm going to either take over an existing church and I'm going to cast this vision as a young minister, and I'm going to take over the world and or I'm going to plant a church. and And for whatever reason, none of those dreams, none of those none of those things just came came to pass. i I even tried to get on staff uh, part time to- or I tried to get on staff. Uh, in a variety of different roles full-time. And I kept getting part-time roles at really small churches, which I appreciated. It was great, but I could never really get into full-time ministry for whatever reason. And it really wasn't – and so I basically I served and I taught high school math uh, concurrently for about 11 years or so from 2006 until 2017. And in 2014, I was leaving a church that I was on staff part-time for six years, phenomenal church, loved every minute of it, but I just felt like it was time to move on. I felt like God, there was, I felt like God was putting on my heart that there was something more for me to do uh, as it relates to the gift that He had given me. And the church I was teaching, I had a phenomenal opportunity to teach Bible study every Wednesday night, and it was the highlight of my week. And I did that for four years faithfully, and I loved it. And there was about 35 to 40 people that came every week, and it was great. I got to a point where I said, you know what, Lord, is there is this all I'm going to do? Is this Am I just going to teach a Bible study with a, sm- a few small people? Mm-hmm. And I mean, now looking back, I'm like, you know, looking at what God has done now, doing now, it's like, wow, I never would have imagined it. But um, so I started thinking, man, you know, everything is kind of going digital. Everything is trending in that direction. And I wanted to have a place where... I could have freedom to use my gift, you know, a platform that I could express myself and a place where I could teach the Bible the way I thought it needed to be taught and have a greater influence than Mm -hmm. just a smaller church or smaller group of people. And so I I launched a YouTube channel because I saw on YouTube that many people who weren't saved were putting out stuff that just was getting all sorts of hits and all sorts of exposure. And I said, well, what if, what if Christians could actually flood the search bars and the mm-hmm. search, search engines of YouTube with Christian content? that would answer people's questions. yeah And so I launched a YouTube didn't know, YouTube channel in 2014, started learning about it in 2014. had no idea what I was doing at all, and launched my first video uh, August 17, 2015.
1: Hmm. Wow, wow. yeah um, There's so so many different ways we could go with this, but we talked about it a little bit in the class that that you helped uh, teach with me, where we were talking about SEO or search engine optimization as a ministry. There are questions people won't ask their pastor, they won't feel comfortable (coughs) asking their Christian friend, but they'll type it into Google, they'll type it into YouTube, and who are they going to find? Some shady information that's not quite biblical, or or are they going to find somebody who actually understands what the Word is teaching and can share it with clarity? So yeah, I love how you're doing that. it's real important for creators to know what their niche is. And so how would you explain who you're serving and how you serve them?
2: Yeah. So, you know, it's it's interesting because going to seminary, you know, we, we come out of here wanting to dig real deep into the Greek and the Hebrew and, and go deep. And, and I, I still love doing that whenever I can on the channel and the people really enjoy it. But I I feel that I am called to to reach two primary groups of people those who are um, who've been taught false doctrine mm-hmm. uh, so those who've been you know mistaught and then also those who have not been taught at all and uh, because I I was a part of a church when I was in college that was um, just not theologically sound at all and mm-hmm. I didn't really know any better because I wasn't studying the Bible I didn't know how to break it down didn't know how to interpret the bible and as a result i got led astray by a lot of false teaching and as we as we you know learn here at seminary wrong interpretation always leads to wrong application if you are interpreting something wrong and so that was me and so when god uh truly showed me that there was a different way to th- look at things and and i got a theological understanding that a lot of things in this church were just not right um from that point on, I had a heart for people who are being led astray. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my videos are really dedicated towards helping correct what I would consider false theology Mm -hmm. as well as training people who have never really been taught anything at all.
1: Mm Yeah, you know, taking a look at your channel, even just before our interview here, you have millions of views, you have 800,000 subscribers at this point, and the number one video that you have, seven of the uh, false teachings that Christians should avoid, uh, that tells you who your audience is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, So how would you explain, in in a nutshell, uh, who it is that you serve? Is it Christians who are looking for answers to theological questions, or how would you quite explain that? You know, it's
2: interesting. (laughs) I would definitely say that my channel is, is not evangelistic. Um, you know, the the ninety five percent of the topics that I do probably are topics that would be of interest to Christians, mm-hmm. and so I would definitely say I'm reach. I'm really targeting Christians. I would probably say I would like to think that I'm targeting mature Christians, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the numbers on my videos videos seem to suggest elsewhere, right? Meaning. The types of topics that the majority of my subscribers are interested in are topics that I would say Christians who may not be as seasoned or as mature would actually be interested in, right? And so I try to cater towards both, but I lean a little bit more towards, you know, trying to reach people who, like I said, who've not been taught or who Mm -hmm. are just Mm -hmm. a little bit less mature. Um, How do I do that? I, I really. Try to think through what are the biggest pain points that people Mm -hmm. are dealing with? What are the biggest questions that they are asking? Mm -hmm. What are the questions that that I know that I ask that I've heard in conversation that other people are asking, but I seldom ever hear these topics being discussed in the pulpit. Mm -hmm. And I've hardly ever heard sermons preached from these things. And so I say, that's an opportunity right there and I come out with a video on it and people are like man I'm 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 so glad that you dealt with that because I've been wondering about that and not, nobody's given me an answer I'm
1: like okay god that's what you want me to do yeah yeah answering specific questions is a great way to grow your channel and I'm just 12 months into into this and, and getting on YouTube as well and helping with apologetics helping people answer specific questions that they have about the Christian faith. And so I started that channel, uh, Apologetics Guy, on YouTube as well. And uh, just everything I've seen from your channel, it, it helps me learn, actually, too. Like, w- what are some different ways that Alan has kind of pivoted? And, you know, it's a whole journey, right? You didn't just wake up one day and have your 800,000 subs. Tell no. us how you got started and what was that journey like?
2: Yeah. So I got started in, uh, in 2014. <laughs> I can remember... Um, trying to publish my first video. I knew it wasn't going to be something that was going to remain on my page. I was just it actually I took a whole year before I I published my first video practicing, learning because I I wanted to come out with something that was of high quality. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to just throw something together. I wanted to learn the platform. I wanted to learn the skill and the art of creating videos. So for me, I didn't have any sort of courses or any programs or mentors. It was all Learning on the fly, um, on the job training. I had to learn how to edit my own videos. Had to learn how to make thumbnails. Had to learn proper audio levels, and I had to learn lighting. And yeah. I mean, I didn't know anything. And I'm coming from teaching high school math, you know, so I didn't really know. So that journey was was it was fun because now I'm like, okay, I know how to do all these things if I need to. Mm-hmm. But it was it my learning curve was very very steep at the beginning, um, but. Yeah, it's funny. People are always talking about the numbers now and the subscribers and how it's grown. And I tell people, you know, I know it's hard to believe, but when I started, I really wasn't concerned about the, the the growth as much, you know, because I was just excited to have a platform where I was finally, for the first time in my life, free to be able to talk about the things that I felt people needed to hear. Mm-hmm. And um, and. And I wasn't trying to sell people anything or anything like that. We didn't even have anything to sell. And so I think God honored that, and and um, people, it really resonated with people. And I think it it still is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it was definitely a journey that you've been on, and and it's a legacy that you're building to your whole uh, archive and your library. Um, people can see how you've grown and and where the Lord's taken you. Um, you know, there there is something to be said about the metrics and the numbers in terms of you know when you when you got that silver play button, that plaque. I'm sure that was a great milestone for you, and yeah. it was exciting, but. What was your life like the next day after that?
2: Yeah, well, it's interesting because I remember getting on YouTube and when I started, I I used to see people who had 5,000, 10,000. I, I had a friend who actually was a few years ahead of me on YouTube at that time, and he had 30,000 subscribers. And I remember looking at him thinking, 30,000, like, whoa, that's – I can't even wrap my mind around that many subscribers. And I know you could probably relate to that because I know your channel is getting started and you're probably thinking, like 30,000, like I'm just trying to get 30,000 views on one video, let alone 30,000 subscribers. And, you know, and, and I just remember feeling overwhelmed, like that would never happen. I would never get there. And it's amazing how the growth happened. It wasn't linear by any stretch. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like, oh, you know, 200 one day and then 200 the next day. And, it was like really flat at first, I mean, very little growth, mm-hmm. exponential growth, and then it just took off. Mm-hmm. It just really started taking off. Mm-hmm. And um, But for me, the numbers, are, it's, it's not just about the numbers, it's really about each person. I'll tell you a very quick story okay. that, that really, I will never forget this, is um, about a year ago, there was a lady that contacted our ministry because she was having some trouble logging into a course or something like that that she purchased from us. Mm-hmm. And, and so I got on a Zoom call because none of my people on my team were able to actually figure out how to help her. Mm-hmm. And so she said, well, do you know how I found you? And I said, no, I don't. And she said, well, I had two twin daughters, 28 years old, and one of my daughters recently just committed suicide not too long ago. And she said, everybody told me that I would never see my daughter again because she's going to hell and this is the unforgivable sin. And so I went to YouTube searching for answers. I went to YouTube trying to figure out um, you know, what's what was going to happen to my daughter who just committed suicide. And so mm. she typed in, is suicide the unforgivable sin? And she said at the very top of the page, my video popped up, and wow. she watched the video wow. And she was encouraged to know that her daughter was forgiven, that she would see her daughter again in heaven. And and then she's been following me ever since. And I share that story because I always tell creators, like, never underestimate the impact that you could have on one person. You Mm -hmm. don't know when you press publish and that video goes out. How that video is impacting just one person. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, what, what a wonderful story of how that SEO search engine optimization is actually a ministry. Who are they going to find? Mm-hmm. Um, someone who's going to uh, encourage them. Somebody who's going to uh, maybe lead them astray. Who's going to be there? And and your work is actually putting uh, putting your videos up there. So mm-hmm. now I think about you know the, these these milestones and things like that, but. I don't see how your channel has really, like, you didn't become a whole new channel after you got your silver play button. You just kept being faithful and doing mm-hmm. the same videos. I'm sure you woke up the same day, like, I got my PhD, I put the diploma on the wall, and the next day I'm still serving students, I'm still teaching, mm-hmm. and we're just being faithful with God, what God has called us to do. Yeah. Um, now, maybe, maybe you just answered my, my next question, which is, how do you stay consistent when you get, I'm sure, tired, when you get discouraged? Um, is it stories like that that keep you going, or w- what is it that keeps you going?
2: Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. Um, at the beginning, the first three or four years, I, you know, I don't ever remember running out of topics. I don't ever remember getting dry and and like trying to think about what I was going to. There was, it was like, it was like a blank canvas for an artist. Like right? there was, there was room for everything. Everything was was uh, was possible. But now, I mean, we've got. It's 570, 580 videos, and just like any pastor who's been pastoring for a long time, you're tempted to start repeating yourself. You start wondering, okay, wait, I don't want to preach on that because I just preached on that a few months ago. So it's becoming more and more challenging, if I'm just being honest right now, Mm. coming up with the creative topics and things like that, and quite frankly, that's the piece that is... um, that makes it a little bit more difficult to stay consistent but the beauty on the other side though is that i now have a team of people we have mm-hmm. 11 people who are on our team now who help us pull this whole thing off and that makes the consistency a lot better because i don't have to edit my own videos anymore i don't have to do my own thumbnails mm-hmm. and things like that and uh, that's just been a huge blessing
1: how long did it take you to go from you doing all the editing you doing everything or the talent you're the lighting person you're you're editing the audio, all of that, to having a team around you to help.
2: Yeah. We we hired our first – and all of our team right now, they're independent contractors. They're all part-time. I would love one day to hire them full-time. We're praying for support in order to do that. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, we hired our first person who was our video editor. He's not with us anymore, but we hired – our first hire was a video editor in 2018. And we only had enough to pay you know, a little bit of money every month. And he graciously did the job well for us. And then we just kind of built on from there. And, and as the Lord blessed us financially, we saw a need and we brought more and more people on. So hmm. I would say three years after I started um, was when we were able to hire the first person. And now we're seven years in and we've got 11 people.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, when you do get kind of a block of what topics am I going to do next, what are some next level advanced tactics for finding good topics to make videos about?
2: Yeah, so that's a great question. For me, what I try to do all the time is I try to go back to my own videos Mm. and I try to look and see what are the videos that people that resonated with people, Mm -hmm. right? And that's obviously when in the number of views, the number of subscribers that were gained, Mm -hmm. the number of, um, uh, uh shares, uh, you know, did people share this video content mm-hmm. out? but also the engagement, right? The comments. Yeah. Is there good conversation, healthy conversation, respectful conversation going on around this particular mm-hmm. topic? Mm-hmm. And so when I see that, I'm like, okay, how can I maybe come out with a part two or yeah. a part three or repurpose something that I've done before? That will, you know, maybe I can say it in a different way. And then another thing that I do that I haven't done as much lately, but I used to do a lot more trending topics, topics that, you know, things that are going on in our world today and try Mm -hmm. to bring a real good biblical worldview to what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's a really great way to kind of grow your channel as well.
1: Yeah. We both uh, have a mutual friend, Sean Cannell, who likes to say success leaves clues, so make part twos.
2: Oh, I yeah. like that. I like that. Yeah. So
1: you go back into your, your library and just see what's, what's been successful, and uh, there's, always, there's always more or a different angle. Yeah. Here on The Table Podcast, we, we've been going for 10 years now on this show, and um, finding topics actually is, is not a problem for us because there's just so many places and spaces that we can go. Yeah. Uh, but we always try to approach things from a variety of different topics, or rather a variety of different angles. On the same topic, and so we might bring a guest in to speak from this angle on the certain topic and another one. So, those those are really great things to look at.
2: And I was going to add to that too, because that's that's another thing that I forgot to mention is that I have several different um, buckets that mm. I can draw from. Right, I've got my end times bucket. I've got my you know reviews of other faiths and mm. other denominations. Um, you know what? You know what do Christian Scientists believe, or what do Seventh Day Adventists believe, or something? Um, you know, I also have um, interviews that we've done. We, I've done some spoken word, I've mm-hmm. uh, done overviews of certain books of the Bible. So we've got all these different – I've got frequently asked questions is probably the biggest bucket of them all, yeah. right? Should Christians do this? Should Christians do that? So typically, when I do get stuck, I'm always able to go and say, okay, which bucket have I not poured into recently? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And kind of go from there.
1: Yeah. I mean, you talked about hiring people on your team and obviously that takes money. And so how do you talk a little bit about the marketing side of this? How do you generate money for the mission?
2: Yeah, yeah. So there's 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 so many different um, revenue streams that we can tap into as creators. And uh, let me just go on record and say that we were not in a position until I would say about three years ago mm-hmm. before we could even consider possibly going full time. And once again, uh, it's just a matter of I didn't have any idea. I'm, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a marketer. I'm not a digital marketer. So uh, I, mean, I would consider myself pretty savvy at it now, but at the time I didn't know anything about that. So once again, somebody else's journey hopefully wouldn't take five years to get there, but for me mm-hmm. it took a long time. So for us, you know, we have um, online courses that we sell i uh, have got a her- hermeneutics course. It teaches people how to study the Bible. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being fully transparent, I just took what I learned, uh, you know, at and uh, Dr. Howard Hendricks' class mm. and, and made a course out of it. And, uh-huh. and and that's my way of you know trying to help the world. Understand proper biblical hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. So, we have a course on that. We have a course. We have several different courses. We also have um, uh, people, we're 501c3, so we're a nonprofit. People can donate. And it's amazing. We don't even ask for donations uh, because I never want people to think that I'm a money hungry guy and that's what we're about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there is a good way to ask for support, but we don't really do that. But people still give faithfully. Uh, we have other ways that we s- seek their support. We also sell merchandise. Uh, we also have YouTube ad revenue as well.' Uh, I've, I've done some consulting and some coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there there's there's several different ways that um, affiliates uh, you know I, I, I can get other people to to um, to market our products to their audience. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different ways you can kind of um, get some financial support to mm-hmm. help the mission mm-hmm. move forward.
1: Yeah, that's one area where I think a lot of Christian creators um, struggle because uh, for many people we're so passionate about ministry, we're so passionate about doing the work, but we know in the background that the money has to be there for the mission or else we can't do the ministry God's called us to do and so uh, sometimes that that can kind of paralyze some people, but there are options out there and and, uh, ministries like yours are showing how that can be done tastefully uh, so that you don't appear to be one of these kind of shady internet marketers. Yes. but yeah, money for the mission. There's, there's a really important thing to be thinking about.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast. I am its host, Amber Cullum. Each week, I sit down with a guest to discuss hard truths and the unwavering grace of God they've experienced while journeying in God's kingdom here on earth. You'll hear from guests like Jen Wilkin, Jamie Ivey, Andy Crouch, and Scott McKnight. Listen to these conversations and more by searching Grace Enough Podcast on your favorite listening app or by visiting graceenoughpodcast.com.
1: Now, how has your channel evolved over the years as you've been discovering your voice? Has that changed? How much has that changed for you? Yeah, I would say, thankfully,
2: I I don't know how much – well, that's not true. It, I think it's evolved quite a bit because at first, I was primarily putting out content that I was interested in, mm-hmm. and I wasn't really thinking about the viewer first, you know, what was – what, what what is the content that would resonate first and foremost with the viewer, and not Alan Parr and what I wanted to put out? So I started focusing a little bit more because at the end of the day, this channel is not for me, right? I mean, this channel is for the people. Where I need to I need to create the content that mm-hmm. they need and they they mixed in with what I'm passionate about as mm-hmm. well. So that's one thing. But I think it's evolved because we've we've we have opened up so many different types of videos that when I first started, we never did. We never did interviews. Mm -hmm. We never did um, live streams. We never did full 30 to 40-minute overviews of books of the Bible, like Book of Revelation in 60 minutes or something like that. Mm -hmm. So the more we have moved forward, uh, the more um, different variations, the variety of our, the videos that we've done, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's been a lot different than just at the beginning. We were just answering questions. And also I'd say the videos have gotten a lot longer. Mm-hmm. The first two years on YouTube, every video was five minutes or less and that was intentional because we wanted to set ourselves apart mm-hmm. from the other Christian YouTubers who might have been taking 30 minutes to answer a question. We wanted our video to be right next to theirs and people would say, wait, he can answer the same question in five minutes? I'm going to watch this one, you know, and if I don't get what I need from that one, then I'll watch the longer one, and so then people started saying, "Hey, we we like your stuff. We would love for you to do a little bit longer." And then at that point, I just let loose. I was like, "You know what? I'm just going to, uh, you know, however long it takes me to cover a topic thoroughly within reason is what I'm going to go." So that's how it's changed.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, uh, so many ways. I want to I want to go with that, but yeah, there's just there's just a lot of wisdom there to be to be gleaned from from all this time that you've been putting out content. Now, some people listening to this may be considering how to use online video in their ministry, and maybe they they haven't gotten started yet. What would be um, some of your top pieces of advice for someone who's uh, considering entering into this space, like they feel God calling them to um, begin using online video and getting on YouTube? What would you say to them?
2: Yeah, I would say first and foremost, they've got to have clarity. You know, mm-hmm. they've got to know who they're trying to reach. They got to know the audience, and that that takes time. That isn't something that I you know I would expect somebody to come out the gate um, you know. knowing, sometimes, honestly, that might take 30 or 40 videos before you realize, wow, okay, these are the videos that people seem to be resonating with whenever Mm -hmm. I put these things out. And then it's at that point you want to hone in and say, okay, what are these people's pain points? What are the biggest questions that they're asking? What are their interests? Who am I trying to reach? Who am I passionate about Mm -hmm. reaching? And so on and so forth. And then I would say content, and that's a huge one because you got to make sure that you are creating content that adds value to people and also focusing more on not just dispensing information but helping them experience a transformation in their life Mm. because that's what resonates with people. Um, And so the content has to be value added. It has to be searchable content, right? Are you creating content? that people are actually looking for out there if you type that video idea into the search results is there anyone else in the world that's been done, done a video on this mm-hmm. so you want to make sure you do that and also um, work on your communication right make sure that you're engaging you have energy mm-hmm. you know you don't just want to talk like this when you get on camera because people are gonna fall asleep and they're gonna be bored but you got to bring it like yeah. there's already a barrier between you and the people you're talking to right. it's, it's the screen right so if you don't have that energy true to yourself obviously and your personality so that those are just a few things that I would say um, and then the last one would say would just be commitment because it's easy to get frustrated when you don't see the growth Mm -hmm. and you're putting in five to 10 hours a week on your videos and you're not Mm -hmm. getting the views and things. But if I could just show people my first year analytics and how I had many videos that got 20 views, 24, 40, 45, 100 views. But if I would have stopped then because Mm -hmm. I'm like, I've been doing this thing for a year and I can't seem to get any videos that get over 500 views, I quit. I would never be where I'm at now. So you got to be committed to it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to play the long game. Long game with, yeah. with YouTube. That's right. Yeah, the the influence will come. You know, when you when you when you serve first, and you're thinking of your your audience first, right? The influence comes first, and then the income will come second. And the the, the influence is is really what we're looking at. The impact is what mm-hmm. we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, so many ways I want to go with this. Uh, Let's Um, go, let's go. There's so many great, great things we talked about in our class. Um, Talk about how you put together the hook for your video, because there's a lot of, I just talked about this in class the other day. There's a, a great difference between preaching on a Sunday morning, and putting out a YouTube video. Yes. Within big. the first five seconds of preaching, no one's going to get up and leave um, because that, that's rude. No one's going to do that, but they can click off your video yes. in the first five seconds. So talk to us a little bit about how you you open up a video and kind of what goes through your mind as you're scripting that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've got to give the viewer a real concrete reason for why they should give me 10 to 12 minutes of their time. If I don't do that, then and I just start rambling on, saying, hey guys, this is Alan here. I just want to talk to you guys today. Uh, you know, today's been a rough day for me and so and so. forth. there's 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 uh, there's a place for that type of video, but most of my videos start off with, hey, in this video we're gonna talk about whether Christians should or should not be stealing services like Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus using online streaming devices. Or is it okay to do all those things? We're going to talk about that today, right? Mm-hmm. And so now, people are wondering, okay, what is his perspective on this, right? And you know, you have to get people's attention within the first fifteen to twenty seconds of the of the video, if not, because uh, that's that's a key that's a key metric for triggering the YouTube algorithm is watch time, keeping them engaged on a ten minute video. Can they can you keep them watching for six or seven minutes, mm-hmm. right? And that's gonna Increase the reach of that video. Mm-hmm. So I try to think about like a, 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 a statistic or something that's going to be alarming, or a key question, or something that's trending going on today. We're going to talk about this, that, and the other, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and something that's going to really hold their attention.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when the pandemic first started, a lot of a lot of of course, most of us thought, you know, we'll, we'll stay indoors for two weeks and it'll all be good, right? Um, but st- churches started putting out little devotional videos. I don't know how many churches I've seen where the pastors were putting out little devotional videos, short little things, and nobody was really equipped to do that. And the skills, some of them are transferable, but you don't just move your Sunday sermon onto a YouTube or a, a YouTube short, a TikTok, Instagram reel. Um, it's, just, it's a whole different way of, of communication. And so um, I think that's one area where, where a lot of ministers need to grow and just uh, watch um, people who are successful and uh, we are able to, to bring the word in a, in a different uh, venue. Now, what about for somebody who is already on YouTube and they've been at this for uh, a little while and they wanna grow? What are some of your next level tactics for helping people get the word out about their channel and grow their channel?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I would I would probably you know encourage them to take a look at um, you know what are the the videos that have done well because mm-hmm. every channel has a few videos. If you have thirty or forty videos up, every channel has a few videos that are already performing well. So you want to look and say I, w- I would I would say the the best advice I would say would be to to pay attention to your analytics, look at them on a regular basis, um, try to continue to learn how to. Essentially, okay, so let me put it this way. So let's just say there's 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 different things that trigger the algorithm. So the first thing is what we call the CTR or the click-through rate, right? And that is out of 100 people who may see your thumbnail and your title, how many of those people out of 100 are going to choose, out of all the videos that are on their homepage, or in the search results or whatever, how many of them are going to choose to click on it, right? And so if I'm only getting 2% of the people to click on it, then that means I've got to find a way to make my title and my thumbnail more appealing to get more people to click. So now let's just start saying I do that, I really work hard on having my thumbnails and titles, and so I start to see my videos getting 5 or 6% click-through rate. Well then I Then I need to look into the next metric, which is watch time. So if I have a 10-minute video, you know, are people watching that video for one minute, two minutes, or five minutes, or seven minutes, or eight minutes, maybe mm-hmm. eight minutes? That's amazing, right? Yeah. So um, if they're watching it for a long period of time and I'm getting a high click-through rate, then that video is going to soar no matter what. But if I'm only getting them to watch for a minute and 30 seconds, then now the problem is not my title or my thumbnail wasn't good. Now the problem is I've got to figure out my scripting of my video. How did I script it? How did I write it? it? Because I see a big drop-off after 90 seconds. People are dropping off. I'm not able to keep their attention, right? And so so those are just a few things that I I would look at. And then the third aspect that I would say is if you can get those two things working, right, you can get people to click, get people to watch, the next level is how can I get people to watch more of my mm-hmm. content, right? How can I get them to start Netflixing my content and binge watching my content so that mm-hmm. they don't just watch one, they watch another and another. And that's where we get into playlists and series and um, and and video and mentioning one video during yes. one video and all mm-hmm. the different tactics. There's a million tactics out there to get somebody after they've watched this video and say, hey, if you just watch this video on the book of Revelation for 60 minutes, you're going to love this video right here below on the Mark of the Beast. Click that. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, oh, he's got to be on the Mark of the Beast. Oh, he's got to be on the Antichrist and whoa, okay? And and they just start binging and that mm-hmm. triggers the algorithm.
1: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, for those who don't know a little bit of insider language, there's a lot of technical insider language <laughs> yeah. here, but the word the thumbnail, just so people know, is it's not the, the nail on your actual thumb, but it's a picture that people click on on YouTube, kind of like on Netflix, and we can actually learn a lot from Netflix and in terms of the the thumbnails that they use on there. and Okay, so do you find that certain thumbnails with your face making a very – like, you have the most expressive thumbnail (laughs) faces. Uh, Do you find some of those really uh, are helpful if your face is on there versus not? What have you found of that?
2: Yeah, um, the ones that I have a facial expression on typically do better, but I also don't have much to compare it to because I've always had my thumbnails where I've had a face on it, and so I don't really have too much to compare it to. But it also has to make sure that the person making the face is genuine. They're not just uh, making some, like – you know, if that's not really you, you know, then uh-huh. then don't you know, be genuine and true to who you are. But um, yeah, the thumbnails have to really captivate people.
1: Yeah. yeah. And for those listening on audio Alan just made the face like oh my gosh <laughs>
2: exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I
1: don't know. there's probably a, a name for that like the YouTube surprise face or yeah something like yeah that.
2: every every youtuber does, has one you know where they put under on their, on their thumbnail their yeah, image yeah.
1: yeah now you mentioned earlier how you didn't have a guide or a course to help you out when you started you had to learn everything the hard way from scripting to lighting cameras lenses all, all this stuff um, but you've actually put together some some resources to help people. You mentioned briefly some courses that um, you have available for those who want to get into the space. Tell us a little bit about uh, the courses that are available.
2: Yeah, so I'm um, not sure when this is going to air, but we actually have a, a program coming up here soon where I am um, going to be doing a 12-week discipleship through – well, it's not really discipleship, it's a 12-week cohort program. It's coaching program, it's a group coaching program where I'm going to be taking um, uh, 25 to 30 people through, and it's just every week we work on one new thing hmm. about YouTube growth. And it's like a hands-on, um, or you have assignments to to do each week. It's for people who are really serious about fast-tracking and getting results mm-hmm. and not just well, I'll just go get your course and I'll figure it out on my own. It's like, no, in 12 weeks, we're going to cover this week one, this week two, this week three, and they get a chance to be on a call with me for 90, week, 90 minutes a week. And so that's uh, that's called the Creators for Christ Elite Program. But for those who are not able to do that or maybe they missed the deadline, we have an online course that people can do. It's a self-paced course. It's called Creators for Christ. And uh, we really created it because you know we really want to help Christian creators Reach the world for Christ. And mm-hmm. so if people are interested, in it, they can find out, I'm sure, in the show notes will be a link or something, but they can go to my website, com forward slash CFC, which is short for Creators for Christ, and they can learn all about the course there.
1: That's awesome. Well, is there anything else you want to share with our audience about getting online or growing your ministry with YouTube? Yeah, I
2: would say, you know, it's not a. Um, I want to make sure that people don't think that being online doesn't have to. Nor should it replace your um, your offline ministry. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't replace you volunteering at church and serving at church. It shouldn't replace you speaking if you're a public speaker and you, you're a minister. I see it as um, just another tool that can be used, particularly in the world today, because everything is digital. I mean, mm-hmm. we, the pandemic taught us that, right? Yeah. So um, we were we were reminded of that, and so. Um, if, if and, and I would say also say this, if someone is really serious about trying to reach this next generation, a lot of them are not going to church. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are not you know, they're finding their information out on Google, on Instagram, TikTok, like that's where they're hanging out. Mm-hmm. And so if we want to reach them, we can't just sit around and say, Well, we hope that they're gonna come to our church or join our youth group. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, hey, how can we reach out and, and yeah and Meet them where they are, and yep. they are at. They are online.
1: You know, I have a Gen Z kid of my own, and the number one way we get into spiritual conversations is memes. He'll just say, "You know, hey dad, look at this. What do you think about that? What do we say about this?" <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, sadly, uh, a lot of people get their their theology from memes. But actually, these are conversation starters that uh, we can actually uh, engage with people on. But yeah, it's all over social media. Yeah. While we're talking about that, throw out your socials so that people can continue the conversation with you on sure. social media.
2: Sure thing. So I can be reached on Instagram, at uh, Alan G. Parr, so A-L-L-E-N-G-P-A-R-R. Same thing on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Alan G. And then YouTube is youtube.com forward slash The Beat, A-G-P. AGP are my initials. And uh, so people can find me there as well.
1: Awesome. Well, if you want to continue the conversation with Alan, please hit him up on social media. If you want to talk with me some more about this, you can at me on Twitter at ApologeticsGuy. I'm also ApologeticsGuy on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Alan, such a pleasure having you today. Thank you for being on the show.
2: Uh, Michael, thank you so much. It's been an honor. And uh, anything I can do to help the seminary and And uh, serve the people here. I'd, I'd be more than honored to do. Appreciate you having me on.
1: You're so welcome. And we thank you so much for joining us today here on The Table as well. If you've enjoyed this conversation, would you please do us a favor and review or drop a comment on this show? It really helps people find out more about our show on Apple Podcasts or Google or wherever you happen to be listening to this or consuming this content. I'm Mikel Del Rosario, and we hope that we'll see you again on The Table, where we discuss issues of God and culture listening to The Table Podcast.
0: Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well.